Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim. This week, Dark Phoenix landed in cinemas, as well as Tolkien. They did. Uh, lots to talk about with those two. So I saw Tolkien this week, and I really enjoyed it. I saw it with my friend Brad, my movie buddy for many, many years. Shout out to Brad. Shout out to Brad. Um, <laughs> he, we have very differing views on this film. So mm-hmm. just to give you an, uh, an overview, Tolkien is a biopic on J.R.R. Tolkien, who's mm-hmm. the famous author of the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings series. Just separately, mm. on the word biopic, I always want to say biopic. I know that's <laughs> wrong, but <laughs> it's supposed to be biopic. 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 Well, so I saw Tolkien, a bi- biopic <laughs> of J.R.R. Tolkien uh, this week, and I really liked it. I said, uh, Brad, we had differing views. So it's a story about him and his childhood. And his upbringing and his mm-hmm. his struggles, his mother passing away and him having to move in with priests in like a seminary or whatever. And but they because mm. they were poor, they helped him and his brother with his education. And they were very intelligent young men, very passionate about literature. Their mother used to tell them stories at night time. Mm-hmm. They were very creative and very fantastical. And it's it's about the relationships that he builds in high school with these upper echelon young boys who've come from a lot of money and privilege. One of them, his father is the headmaster of the school that they're at. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then it follows their friendships. uh, When half of them go to Cambridge university, the other half go to Oxford university and Tolkien has a love of language we all know that he created this magical world, this incredible yeah, world absolutely. of Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. And yeah, uh, so Earth. it's kind of it plays on his um, inspirations that he's drawn from his life and experience, and they do touch on that he fought in World War One in the trenches mm-hmm. and the inspiration that he gathered, he garnered from war in general, and and mm. the ultimate story of the quest of Frodo and the Ring. 
Brad thought, you know, he wanted to see more of that and how mm. the war played more into how he came up with the stories and mm-hmm. how that influenced him. Yeah. But I was like, well, they weren't making that movie. They were making a story about friendship and relationships and mateship. And which has a, which has a parallel with Lord of the Rings, really, when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, well, the fellowship mm-hmm. of the ring. And, and, you know, how he came to... To, to write those stories. And I think that there is another movie, there is another story if you want to focus more on the war, mm-hmm. but the story they were telling, and quite beautifully, I think, was a story about him growing up as a young man and ultimately where he lands in literacy world with mm. some of the most famous texts ever written. So the Tolkien estate didn't endorse or participate in this movie anyway. They were quite against it. Was there anything that would make them feel that strongly in it? I don't know. I think maybe, maybe because they weren't able to help portray who their great-grandfather is or grandfather whoever that mm. level is goes back nicholas holt i think did a really great job in portraying tolkien uh and what he what he endured and lily collins was a great support yeah uh, but but i think that the real great moments in this movie was him and his mates brilliantly cast young actors both as high school age and mm. university age and i think they that, that was they were just a real joy to watch watch on screen it was mm. yeah i love a period drama though so i'm a yeah. sucker for that yeah, I found it really interesting to find out the stories behind these famous authors and what inspired them to write the stories. So maybe I'm be on the side of your friend Brad there that I would have liked to have seen more about the inspiration of Lord of the Rings mm, and those mm. kind of stories. Yeah, I mean, they definitely touched on that, mm. but maybe they could have touched on it more. Mm. So you could have almost gone the whole movie without knowing that he wrote the Lord of the Rings. Does that make sense? Yeah. Was, yeah, so it was... Um, so it's just an interesting story about an interesting author. Basically. Exactly, yeah. How many popcorn kernels would you give it? Look, I'd probably give it three to three and a half. Maybe the half is struggling to pop. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Can can we do that? We're making our own rules here. So, yeah, maybe hover around those two. Okay. Well, I saw Dark Phoenix this week, and it hasn't been getting great critical reviews online. Mm. I'm on the fence a little bit about those online critics i'm not sure whether it it deserves such harsh feedback are we are we online critics yeah i don't know are we we're podcast critics um this film it's about it's focusing on jean gray it's focusing on the story of the phoenix and and her origin story and i guess it's kind of like a do-over because people weren't happy with the jean gray story in the original x-men trilogy it was just not not great. Uh, so this felt like a bit more of a do-over, but it felt like a little bit of a box-ticking exercise. And, yeah. and they didn't quite... They got closer to her origin story, but it's not quite there. Like fan service box-ticking or not even? No, I think it's just more like we're done with this series now. Let's move on. It felt like a clearing of the slate. We got the death of some pretty major characters, which I'm not going to spoil here, but it's almost as if the creators just didn't give a shit anymore and went... Good luck trying to make something out of this, whoever comes next. So do you think it's a, this film is a casualty of the Disney-Fox merger where now Disney own the rights, which they hadn't previously, yeah. to the X-Men characters? Yes. And now they're just like, well, just shelve that one, just get it out, let's yeah. make quick buck. That's what it felt like, and definitely. Then, and then loop them in on the MCU mm-hmm. and somehow in a couple of years. Yeah, so it was, it was the Jean Grey story, definitely, but the supporting characters didn't have much to do. Hmm. which felt like a disservice compared to what's come before. It's more of a team effort. And, yes, Jean Grey needed to be the focus and her story needed to be the focus, but it was really like everyone was just kind of left by the wayside and some real bizarre choices were made with some of the characters, Hmm. Um, characters we've grown to know and love and want to know more about and want to know more about their journeys. It could have been woven in a bit better. It's interesting and a bit upsetting because X-Men was kind of a trailblazer in establishing 
a comic book ensemble cast mm-hmm. and making that work, having multiple characters and storylines interwoven. Mm-hmm. And it's disappointing to hear that they don't quite get that ensemble feel right no. in this film. Even the frenemy relationship between Professor X and Magneto felt really tired. It felt like... Because it is tired. Well, yes. How, how much longer always, can we talk about that? But there's always something there, and it just really felt like a hastily added on end to the movie. Right. I'm not going to spoil what happens, but it just it's a bit strange. And as I said, they, they killed off one character, and it was very hastily done, mm. and then it felt forgotten about quite quickly. Like Everyone struggled, everyone had a cry... By the way, there was so many close-ups of people with like single tears rolling down their face. It was overkill. I'm rolling my eyes. Overkill. Right now. Um, so they hastily killed off one character, and then it felt forgotten about quite quickly. It was almost like Black Widow in Avengers. It was kind of like right. this big deal, but brush over it and keep things moving because we've got other stuff to deal with. And it just should have been made a bigger deal. I think it should have been a bit yeah. more felt throughout. The team? Am I right to say you look very frustrated by this movie? <laughs> I am a little bit. I yeah. wanted it to be better than it is because I enjoy yeah, of these films. And on the surface, I will say, on the surface, it was very enjoyable. There were great special effects, yeah. really enjoyable, that just really sucked you in. The performances were really good, as I said. They, they were very believable, very well done. But the, the special effects just really engulfed you and really helped you suspend that disbelief. Mm. We didn't get, like I said, we didn't get a lot of backstory or feel the motivation of the villain. So that yeah. didn't feel like enough of a threat. I think the villain was supposed to be Jean Grey. They talk about in the taglines that, you know, the biggest fight they've ever had is one of their own. Mm. It wasn't even that much of a big of a fight. Oh. Yeah, the battles were a little bit underwhelming. Uh, there was one action set piece, which I think I can say, where, you know, some X-Men are battling other X-Men mm. and it's in a street, in a New York street, basically. And it's underwhelming compared to what we've seen come before. Right, and I'm in not, this particular In franchise. this particular first-class series. So right. I, I don't think they might not have been necessarily the right choice to try and top what's come before, mm. but they could have done a better job. I think. Do you think it might be the casualty, the, these holes in the mm. plot story, establishing characters, underwhelming uh, set pieces? Is it, the, is it a casualty of first-time director? It was like I said, it felt like a box ticking exercise. It was like, we're done with this series in the franchise. Let's move on. The plot holes and continuity errors were the size of the Grand Canyon. Oh, that so shit drives me mad. So fans are going to have an issue with that. But I mean, the X-Men series has a history of messing with the timelines and messing with character arcs and the continuity. So it's almost like you would expect that to happen. But they also mess with the continuity within this series of the franchise. So it just felt like a lazy box ticking exercise. So after that glowing review, I've got two questions for you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The second one will be how many popcorn kernels, but I want to know where this particular iteration, X-Men Dark Phoenix falls within all the other films in the series. Notable mentions, X-Men Last Stand is considered the worst. It is, but I actually enjoyed that one. Oh, I know. Am I fired? Am I fired from the podcast? You're out. Popcorn podcast with Tim only next week. (laughs) Um, I see. I enjoy movies. Let me just, okay. So let me preface this by saying that I really enjoy movies in general. So I will always generally enjoy a movie when I go and see it, even if I pick it apart afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did enjoy this one. It was good fun. And I did enjoy X-Men The Last Stand. Please forgive me. (laughs) Where this fits in amongst all of them, I mean, people really hate Apocalypse. Yeah, I wasn't I'm a big fan. Of I wasn't a big fan of that one either, to be honest. But I don't know where it fits. It might. 
might fit equally as bad. <laughs> okay, no, fair call. All right, yeah. so how many popcorn kernels then? Only three. I think you, three. Can, you can wait till DVD for this one. This is, oh, even despite the special effects and experience you can have in the cinema, you think it's straight to DVD? Mm. It's a big call. Not straight to DVD, but you don't have to rush out and see it in the cinema. This is your first three popcorn kernel review. I think it might be. Oof. Oof. Oofed. Yeah. That's right. It was bound to happen. Mm-hmm. We'll get up to the fours and fives again, yeah. I'm sure. Great. So uh, I guess we'll touch on uh, the big new releases of this week, uh, release date June 6th, Red Joan, X-Men Dark Phoenix, which we've mentioned, and also High Life, which is only releasing in Melbourne and Brisbane uh, for whatever reason. At the moment, yeah. that's this one. Actually, I'm interested to see this one. It's about Robert Patterson is in it, and it's about a father and his daughter struggling to survive in deep space where they live in isolation. It's an interesting concept. Yeah, I love that. So I'm not sure why it's not widely releasing at this point, but hopefully we'll see yeah. it soon. I guess, actually, I'd like to jump to trailers because you're just talking on mm-hmm. uh, Deep Space. Mm-hmm. Uh, we finally got the Ad Astra trailer, mm. which has been elusively hovering. Because mm, it was supposed the... to come out quite soon and then yeah. it's been pushed back. Yeah. What did you think of the trailer? It was interesting. Yeah. It's, it, it doesn't seem like much of a new story. No. Do you but think there's it's... something about space and trying to fix things that go wrong and people go missing people. and it's, it really it really um grips me those sorts of stories so i'm pretty keen uh, the special effects look great i love brad pitt i'm interested to see how he he comes off on screen as the as a leading man do you think this in this is, sort of story do you think this is brad pitt trying to follow in his friend george clooney's footsteps and do a gravity <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Felt like but, it had vibes. But hopefully he's got more screen time than George Clooney did in Gravity. He <laughs> was like... Spoiler alert. Spoiler, spoiler alert. alert. Oh, yeah, but that's... Uh, mm. yeah. I'm not a petrol head, but mm. for some reason I love a driving film, other than maybe the Fast and Furious series, but I loved um, Rush mm. a few years ago, the Ron Howard film. And it's Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah. He has that feel. Looks amazing. I mean, I, I'm, I'll go to anything Christian Bale stars in. I think yeah. he is one of the greatest character actors of our generation. Yeah, we'll be cool. Um, a bit called truth mm. heard it here five popcorn kernels for christian bale yeah. <laughs> uh so i'm really keen to see this story play out i've no, got no idea about this that this was a thing in history yep. but i'll go there and i'll go for the ride i think it's when ford really hit its stride it's it they built a car to take on ferrari in the 24-hour le mans yeah yeah and it also stars matt damon a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot may be your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah. I've got two big Hollywood A-listers. Matt Damon. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite moments in a trailer this year was the end of this when the, I think he's the owner of uh, some big honcho in mm. Ford. Sorry, I, I don't have the uh, details there. Mm. But he get he, he's in the car and he experiences the the, the pace and the like how amazing this vehicle is. Yeah. And he just starts laughing and then crying at the end. Uh, mm, it's just yeah. a really fun, hilarious, just perfectly realised moment. Yeah. I was like, oh, more of that in this, please. Yeah. So. 
We also got our first look, or listen, I should say, at Beyonce in The Lion King as Nala. Yes. Which sounds amazing. So this was a 30-second, I guess, TV spot, a new TV spot for for The Lion King, where we, as you said, you first hear the voice actors Mm. actually portray their characters, Beyonce being one of them. Mm. It it looks amazing. It Mm. looks like a David Attenborough documentary. It's photorealistic. Mm. But where is the character in these characters because it just looks like a lion. It doesn't look like a Simba or a Pumbaa or a Timon. Oh, you think you need some some facial expressions or well, yeah. something? <laughs> like, where is it? Like, how are we supposed to sit there and believe when Simba starts singing and dancing around to... I just I can't wait to be king. Well, have you heard all the hoo-ha online you know I mean? at the moment that John Favreau, who directs the film, mm. has said it's not to be called an animation. He won't call it an animation, and everyone's well, like, "Well, it's fucking obviously an animation." Mate, it's a fucking animation. It's an I'm animation. sick of hearing that this is a live-action remake of The Lion King. Yeah, well, it is not. Do you think that that this is a problem that's going to come up? Is that if it's not fully animated with facial expressions and all that kind of jazz? And it's not quite live action because they're not getting lions and tigers to lions to do actual stuff. Do you think they're going to come into a problem where it's just not, it needs to be leaning more one way or the other? I think so. Do you think it's going to walk the line to it's going to, I mean, to its detriment? Will he not call it animation because it's through motion capture? The, the it's still animating. It's still the true, process I, of animation. I know, but is, there, is that like the little asterisk that decides that it's not animation? It um, is, though. Look, I, I just need, we need to see this movie. We need to see it now. I need to just kind of get it out of my system because I'm really nervous about it. And I want it to be fun. I want it to have that Disney flair and life. And I just think it's going to be too realistic. But How are they going to go when they're doing the song and dance numbers? You know, when Pumba and Timon and, I know, exactly. and Simba are having a little dance. That's what know? I'm worried about. Yeah. Uh, but... But they did kind of... You can of... be a big pig too. Hoi! <laughs> oh, God. So nervous. Uh, but I guess we kind of got a taste of what is possible mm. in in that photorealistic animation world with uh, The Jungle Book. Yeah. Because they sing and dance in that as well. So, yes. I mean, we'll, we'll find out. I feel like I'm being a bit quick to judge here, but I don't know. Let's reserve judgment. Yes, yes. Another big trailer was Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, and this mm. looks really creepy. It does. It does. I rewatched the trailer just before, and I kind of really love the vibes of this. It's like it's like a really scary Goosebumps. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It, it, kind of, it kind of looks really funny, but the, the design, the character design and everything looks mm. unreal, like that scarecrow guy. Well, this is Guillermo del Toro, and he's all about the visual oh, totally. scare factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm really interested to go and see that one. So let's move on to news then. Bond 25 had an explosion on the soundstage at Pinewood Studios this week. Pretty serious. Yeah, very serious. Someone was injured. It's not great. A controlled explosion gone wrong. They were doing a stunt inside Mm -hmm. the soundstage and Mm -hmm. three, it was meant to be a controlled explosion and three explosions went off and it blew the roof off practically. Blew the roof off? Yeah. The walls came off the outside of the studio. It was, was, it's a massive... Holy shit. It was a massive accident. So it's just been problem after problem with yeah. this project. I don't Quite know what's going on. Quite a plagued production. Yeah, so director Danny Boyle quit over script issues. Uh, obviously, Daniel Craig didn't want to come back and do it, but then he did. And then he broke his ankle. Then he broke his ankle. It's just been one issue after another with this film. So still, they're not 
saying this is gonna this sort of thing's gonna push back the release date. Well, no, nobody. I'm was, waiting for that. By nobody, the way, nobody was critically injured at this point, so it's still moving along, I guess. Mm. But they without a roof. Yeah, without a roof on the soundstage. <laughs> Jeez. Well, uh, yeah, stay close to this podcast as we keep announcing more Bond Twenty Five issues. Yeah. Uh, Jason Bloom and Jamie Lee Curtis sent out an image on Twitter this week teasing another Halloween sequel. Mm. I don't know if this is a good idea, but the success of the reboot made it the highest grossing film of the franchise ever since the 70s. I don't know if this is a good idea. I think it might be playing with fire. It was such Mm. a great way to maybe end the franchise. Yeah, but it didn't, though. They set Mm. it up for another one. I know. Like, they absolutely did, which annoyed me. Mm. I had a great time watching, watching the movie. But, uh, I mean, it only cost $10 million to produce uh, and they made, you know, upwards of 250 or something worldwide. So the, It's phenomenal. Success. Yeah, the profit was amazing. So it makes sense. We'll see. I, I, I didn't think Jamie Lee Curtis would want to revisit again. Let's hope they're going to do something different. Again? <laughs> do something different. Same, same, but different. Same, same, but different. Same, same, but different. So Godzilla, King of the Monsters, had an underwhelming opening. Yeah, I mean, the numbers aren't... Uh, small, but in comparison to the monster verse that this is in, so we it opened with 130 million internationally, with a 49 million dollar North American debut. Now that's in comparison to the the first Godzilla movie, which opened with 93 million dollars in mm. the US, and Kong Skull Island, which opened with 61. So my question is, has this franchise already run its course three movies in? But we've got Godzilla vs Kong next year. I mean, I think that'll do a little better because, as we've said before, I think it's got a lot to do with when Kong is in it. Kong's mm. the star of the show. Mm. This one, I just think, missed the mark, really. Yeah, yeah. It had a huge production cost of $200 million, plus you add about $100 million in marketing, mm. minimum. So they're going to have to push real hard to hopefully make their money back. Yeah. And then they've got another really costly one next year, so hopefully that kind of balances the checkbook. We've seen Benicio Del Toro is rumoured for a role in the Suicide Squad. Yeah, interesting. As the main villain, I believe. Yeah. I think he's been tipped to play the general, whether the character is going to be called that or not in the film. Right. But I have some interesting news on that one. Idris Elba may not be taking over Deadshot, as we first thought. Mm-hmm. As Will Smith's not coming back, they thought yeah. that maybe he would take over. But it seems he may be playing Bronze Tiger. Also oh, a new role. Yeah, who's a martial arts expert and anti-hero. Hmm, interesting. Possibly. I mean, they still haven't confirmed it, so there's any number of people he could be playing. Other than James Gunn writing and directing this, my care factor is zero with this film, just probably because I I really disliked Suicide Squad. Mm. It was just such a misfire, mm. waste of time. But anyway, look, I, I'm interested. I have a lot of faith in James Gunn. How are you so. feeling about the Harley Quinn movie that's coming? I'm heaps keen for that. Yeah? Yeah. That should heaps be good. Heaps keen, yeah, because I think Margot Robbie was probably the only good thing about Suicide Squad mm. in the first place. Although the lead up to her becoming Harley Quinn was undercooked. Mm. So hopefully we kind of get a little bit more, bit of, more that of that in this one. Um, an interesting piece of news just to finish off the podcast this week is mm. I don't really know how relevant this sort of, uh, these sort of stories are when they just churn them out. Mm. But it turns out that Paul Greengrass uh, almost directed an X-Men Fantastic Four crossover film. This was at the time... Mm. And there was a script written and all the rest mm. of it, and he was tipped to direct. 
I don't really see how it would have come together in within the already established X-Men franchise because mm. they clearly went on the trajectory that they've been on and ended with mm. Dark Phoenix, as we've spoken about. It was around the time that the latest Fantastic Four movie was mm. being produced. Mm-hmm. And when that director came on, which was an absolutely plagued production and an mm. absolute disaster, he didn't want to do the script that had been presented to him and he just went off and did his own thing and it all turned to shit. Mm. So uh, it's kind of interesting that we'll never see that movie whatever it looked like however Mm. it came together Mm. but we will see them cross over into the mcu at some point yeah yeah that's just a piece of interesting news i can't i do kind of like that stuff because you hear about the superman movie with nicholas cage at tim burton (laughs) was going to direct and Mm. all these things and how projects just fall over and you never Mm. see them uh come to fruition but you kind Mm. of want to know every bit about it because you know you want what you can't have there was almost a Wonder Woman iteration with um, Megan Gale in it. Yeah, true. That Justice League film mm-hmm. that um, George Miller was going to direct. Yep. He cast yep. everyone. Yeah. They were in pre-production. They were going to yep. start filming in like a month or yeah. two before it got pulled. Yeah. That would have been a very... Aussie. Well, well, potentially. But it would have been... It wouldn't have been a, as dark as comic book movies are, ended up going. Yeah. I think it would have been misplaced. It was a little while ago now, but I guess we'll never know. Well, it'll be interesting to see where Disney takes the X-Men franchise now. Oh, I'm really I, I think interested. I think we need to take a break. I think that we need to take a breather from these X-Men films, let it rest, let mm. people get their faith back, because I think they've messed with it so much that diehard fans are feeling a little bit disillusioned yeah. at the moment. I think they need to wait at least five years, which is like that in movie world. Mm. You probably need more than five years, but they're not going to be able to wait that long Mm. for longer than that i don't think be interesting to see Mm. so what do we got coming next week we've got some exciting exciting films coming next week we've got men in black international which we're going to go see next week yeah so keen for that it just looks so fun it does i do love the men in black series i do too it's good and easy entertainment i'm for sure i love tessa thompson yeah. It's going to be weird seeing Valkyrie and Thor on screen together so soon yeah. after this. It'd, yeah. it'd be interesting to see how many people can suspend their disbelief. But they've got such great chemistry on screen, yeah. so I think they'll be able to pull it off. Yeah. Tessa, Tessa Thompson's amazing. Mm. Chris Hemsworth's accent. Mm. Mm. He's questionable with his accents most of the time, mm. but he's so charming. But did he need to have an accent? Could he have not been just Australian? They're not just made him Australian living in London. Don't There's about a million Australians living in London. Half the population <laughs> are Australians. Yeah. We were one of them at some point. Yeah, yeah look, I don't know. I, I find that uh, maybe it's just Australians looking at Aussies in films, international films. Mm-hmm. Do you find the Australian accent a bit polarizing? I know I'm opening up a real can of worms here. I suppose so, I suppose so. But like it stands out so much. But also a bad English accent is just as polarizing. True. One I'm really looking forward to seeing next week is Wild Rose. It's about a Glaswegian musician who dreams of becoming a Nashville star. Now, Brits do these working-class drama films so well. Don't they just? So well. And it stars Julie Walters, who is the go-to for in these films for a reason. She was in Love Billy her. Elliot. She was in Mamma Mia. Let's brush over that one. <laughs> <laughs> but I love her. Julie Walters is amazing yeah and this is going to be an amazing film i think yeah awesome i think it'd be cool to uh check out the soundtrack as well yes definitely yeah 
Well, that ended up being more jam-packed than I thought. We, we thought we were a bit light on movie news, but there was definitely a lot to uh, read in between the lines with those. There's always something going on in movie land. Always. There's something going on right now we just can't report on yet. Yeah, can't tell you. But we're really excited to uh, come back to you guys next week with our review of Men in Black International, so mm-hmm. look out for that one. And hopefully everything's going a little bit better on Bond 25. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hopefully it's good news we wish <laughs> We wish them well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Thanks, Tim. No worries, Lee. Catch you next time. Catch you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.